We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Wire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, January 10th. Nick Whalen and DJ Trainer here. We are sponsored. We have a sponsor now. We are sponsored by Draft. That's D-R-A-F-T, the only app offering daily fantasy snake drafts. So be sure to check out the Draft app. You can you can find it online. Basically, you can find a link to the app online, but it's a mobile app, um, you know, iOS, Android, iPad, things like that. Make sure to check that out. We'll talk more about draft later in the podcast. Um, a lot to get to, though. Uh, a busy weekend, certainly, in the NBA. A weird, bizarre situation going on in New York last night. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Hawks reportedly pulling Paul Millsop, Millsap excuse me, uh, off the trade block. I don't, do I buy it? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but first, one, big football weekend. I'm a football guy. I know you're a football guy on the side. You know, we kind of moonlight uh, as football people. I was at Lambeau on Sunday, which was awesome. One of the better games I've been to uh, 
first Packer playoff game in several years. So, you know, those are always fun, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, but last night's national title game somehow exceeded the hype, I think. Not the first half, basically not the first three well, quarters. See, I didn't watch the first half, so... Well, okay, no, I, so the first half was boring, just flat-out yeah. boring. It was just kind of blah. I mean, obviously it was somewhat close, but mm-hmm. the fourth quarter is really when things started to spice up, but uh, we're all kidding ourselves if we think the entire game was riveting. It wasn't. Yeah. The fourth quarter was the best part. Great way to close out the collegiate football season. Pretty good game. Yeah, uh, huge win, obviously, for the University of Clemson. Can you name the two players from Clemson that are currently active in the NBA? Trevor Booker. Trevor Booker. Um, and, gosh. No, only one. I can only name KJ Trevor. KJ McDaniels. Yeah, this is not the first time you've asked me the Clemson question before. Long-time listeners of the pod, go back to uh, NBA trivia. We used to do alma maters quite a bit, and... You're very, very good at them. I'm not good at, good at them at all. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll take 50%. Yeah, that seems low, right? Doesn't it have only two? I, um, that basketball program at Clemson is just not – I mean, I never have, see I mean, them. They're going to have another guy in the league next year, Jaron Blossom game. Uh, should probably – I mean, he could have been a first-round pick last year. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who's probably going to be – you know, he's an older, he's a senior in college, probably going to be a late first-round pick this year. Uh, but if you look back, I mean, Clemson's had some guys – uh, like they, I think they peaked, it looks like, here in like the late 90s, mid-2000s. Okay. Dale Davis, Eldon Campbell, Greg Buckner, the Grant brothers, uh, Larry Nance, um, who else? Harold Jamison, Sherrod Ford. I mean, a lot of guys who were just like stable NBA players. Gotcha. I don't, I don't know, they've never really had... Nobody's really ringing the bell here for me. Um, Larry Nance, obviously, his son yeah. went to Wyoming, so I'm not sure. Right. He might not even been good enough to go to to a Clemson team back when he was coming out uh, of high school. Yeah, I don't funny think enough, Nance was a big time recruit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Larry Nance, senior, was born in South Carolina, so close by. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk about the Rose situation first. Do you know where Derrick Rose is right now, Nick? Yeah, he's at practice with the Knicks. All right. Uh, I, did not, I did not know last night. Last night was an interesting day uh, just to be on NBA Twitter because about every 30 minutes you got a, a new tweet giving you a very, very tiny glimpse about what was going on. Still nobody knew. You had a Frank Iasola tweet come out saying that there's strong indication he's back in Chicago. And then Ramona Shelburne came out and said, seemed to be a personal issue. After I went to bed, um, there was some news that leaked that Rose had contacted the front office, but he was basically AWOL for a good portion of last night. Right. Now he's very much with the Knicks right now. Well, it was weird because, so I was, I was playing in a rec league basketball game, which is why I missed the first half of the college national title. Mm, sure. So that, you know, I, I think, the game like must have started like right when the Rose stuff heated up because like I came back and had a bunch of notifications of like people asking me about Derrick Rose and I'm like I don't even like the last I checked he was the starting point guard for the Knicks like <laughs> so I'm like panicking you know but as I'm looking this up I'm like what happened like is he alive and uh, I think this, the situation quickly went from you know everybody assumed the worst to okay he's just back home in Chicago which is bizarre like just a weird <laughs> kind of strange thing to do but like considering some of the speculation that was out there like. It's kind of like the best possible outcome. Is Derrick Rose alive was a question that was tossed around legitimately at points last night. Right. And then after the game, uh, Noah was the first one to say, he's okay. That's all yeah. I'm going to tell you. And like there literally was a sense of relief that, all right, at least he's all right. He was at morning shoot-around, basically just hopped well, on a plane, went to Chicago, didn't tell anybody until after their game. So obviously like nobody, a lot of – Like news about this didn't come out until like 10 minutes before tip. Like was nobody worried? Like, oh, he'll, he'll be here. It's like – 
guys, the game starts in 10 minutes. Like, we haven't heard from this guy, let alone seen him. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so basically what ended up happening is he flew back to Chicago. He claims it had nothing to do with his standing on the team and his relationship with, with the coach, with Hornacek. Um, well, that's the crazy thing is because their last game out against Indiana, he was benched in the in the fourth quarter in favor right. of Ron Baker. And so it was really easy, and a lot of people did start to go down that route of, you know what, he's just kind of quitting on Jeff Hornacek, quitting on this team because Hornacek didn't let him play in the fourth quarter. So that was the easiest route to take last night, and a lot of people started to go that direction, but obviously just a personal issue, didn't notify anybody which is just as crazy yeah and you know obviously the the bull or the knicks were doing everything they could to reach him rose said you know yeah i saw the calls i, I just didn't want to pick him up you know i just wanted i wanted to focus on whatever family issue he was tending to you know like if if there was some sort of family issue whether it's health related what have you that's fine i guess you just you have to you have to let them know. And this does, this isn't just like an NBA thing. Like you couldn't do that if you were an accountant, you know, if you're just, just completely no showed work and ignored 30 calls from your employer. And then the next day, like acted like it was no big deal. And like, that's, what's weird about Derek Rose is that like, I legitimately don't think he thought it would be that big of a deal if he just didn't tell anybody. Yeah, that is that is the weird thing. I mean, respect for Derrick Rose, obviously it was some sort of personal issue. Don't want to jump into that, but under no circumstances, in any other occupation does this fly this just doesn't work it just doesn't work at all i mean he practiced in full today which is fine whatever but he's gonna play tomorrow it sounds like like the expectation he's for sure gonna be in uniform and it sounds like from what i read today most most writers think he's going to play and possibly start like how is there there's a fine and that's fine pun intended nice uh but like how do you not face any more discipline for something like this well here's the thing i think the knicks just want to be over and done with this as quickly as possible and honestly getting things back to status quo as quick as possible is just best if you suspend him for one game then it lingers on and you know ideally they probably should suspend him for a couple games and find him because this is just ludicrous this whole thing is ludicrous but you know what they want to move on as quickly as possible the more interesting thing here is um you know, where is Derrick Rose's path leading him? Um, and that's a question that we've been grappling with and trying to decide. Um, for a minute there, I started to add Brandon Jennings on all my fantasy rosters, but now it seems to all be for naught. Um, but in the long term thing, in the long term here, the Knicks are not doing well. Derrick Rose has played surprisingly well in my eyes. If you look at his stats, a lot better than I thought he would. But still, his future doesn't look bright, even though he's been playing better of late than he has the last couple of years. Where do you think he's headed? as his career continues. I, I mean, I, I kind of joked last night with, with our colleague James Anderson about this, and we, you know, we, we, we were just kind of talking about this exact subject, and like, basically at the same time, we, were, like, we looked at each other and were like, what if he just becomes another Marbury? Like, James basically said, Derrick Rose has too much pride, and this has kind of been borne out over the last couple of seasons. He has too much pride to not view himself as a star and predicate his game as if he were a star, and... You know, we've seen that. We saw that at the end of his tenure with Chicago. We saw that. We've seen that through the first, you know, 30 odd games with New York. Like, this guy believes he's the best player on this team and still believes that he can be an NBA cal or an MVP caliber player. And clearly, that's not the case. Uh, Clearly, everyone seemingly except him knows that. uh, But but he's just been unwilling to change and. You know, from our perspective, it's easy to kind of bash him for that. But, you know, when you're a player who 
reach the peak of your career in like year two, you know, I think it's certainly hard to be at age 28 when you should be in your prime and just not physically be able to do things that you were able to do five years ago. Like that's really tough. And, and it's some, you know, a tough thing for him to handle mentally, I'm sure. But, you know, I'm only half joking when I say like, would you be that shocked if in like two years he's making a ton of money in China and is a huge star over there? Like, I don't think that's like completely off the table. I mean, I wouldn't bet on it, of course. And I, again, I am half kidding, but I just, this guy has shown no willingness to not play as if he's a star. He might have more, more happiness playing in China because That's then what he I'm can. Saying. Like, yeah. Stefan Marbury went over there and he like, has even been back in the United States since. Like, he loves it. Yeah. Derek Rose could easily do that. If you're looking for another comp of if he were to stay in the NBA, like a more recent comp, last time Marbury played in the NBA was the 2008 2009 season. Right. So, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Marbury, I think. You know, Celtics. Wow, I forgot he played for the. Celtics. Yeah, he played only Jeez. twenty, only twenty three games. Um, but you know, I think Rondo is probably a good comp. Where we all know this guy has talent. We've seen it. He's still young enough where he could, you know, duplicate even a, a percentage of that talent. However, teams just don't view him the same anymore. He can play 36 minutes one night and then be completely out of the rotation the next night. If Derrick Rose's future is exclusively within the NBA, I think somebody like Rondo is blazing the path for what Rose has in store down the road in his career. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about Rondo. I mean, he's he's basically been phased out of the rotation. Um, Wade and Butler are both out tonight, that being Tuesday for the Bulls, so we, you know we might see a situation where they just kind of have to play Rondo for depth reasons. If you know if Grant or MCW you know, gets into some sort of foul trouble or something like that, uh, but I mean this is what we basically thought would happen at the beginning of the season. This is basically what happened in Dallas, minus the you know the coach drama, I guess between um, you know Rondo at least. For, you know, you got to give him some credit for handling this pretty well. He could be handling it worse. Well, I could be handling it worse. Publicly. If we want to talk, let's compare Dallas. They made the playoffs, and he quit on the team yeah. during the playoffs, during a playoff game. Like, he was benched during a playoff cleaned game. Cleaned out his locker. Yeah, cleaned out his locker, like, right after mid-series. Um, and so what's funny is that if that's the baseline, what he's been doing with the Bulls um, – is been has been considered professional, and that's what everybody's saying. He's cordial with the media. He's you know had friendly conversations with the front office. He's made it very known that if this is going to be the rest of the season, he does want to be moved. But compared to what he did, did in Dallas, well, anywhere that would take him. What's funny is that you know the landing landing spot for players like this has always been Sacramento, and he's already had his turn at Sacramento. So where would he go? I don't know. Sacramento's uh, like the Raiders used to be. Yeah, like, the landing spots of kind of misfit toys. Arrested and no one else will sign you. Well, here come the Raiders. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he'd go back to Sacramento. That's double jeopardy. You know, can't can't play or get charged with the same crime twice. Right. Um, but but both Rose and Rondo, like, who would sign these guys? Who would trade for these guys? I got. I think teams are getting smart enough now, and there is enough big name players in the league, and there are, and both of these guys, I think, have sullied their reputations to the point where. The name value of bringing in Derrick Rose, I think even now compared to what it was when the Knicks brought him in, is considerably lower. There's the whole legal process that played out over the summer that I think really, really hurt his reputation. And the fact that he's just been, you know, as average as he's been the last couple of years has hurt his reputation. Like, what's the benefit right now of bringing in Derrick Rose if you're another team or bringing in Rajon Rondo? Like, who would do it? There's, there's not, no, there's no benefit. And you know what? I'm just kind of laughing to myself now because I have this image of GMs at the end of the free agent market 
like all these point guards are snatched up and there's nobody there and you realize you have a ton of cap room still to fill just to get to the floor and they're just like palm in face or face in palm just saying oh my god oh no oh we have to sign Derrick Rose for a lot of money or we have to sign Rondo for a lot of money just to get to the cap floor and I, I don't know that there could be some interesting front offices that are, are coming to a stark realization that they have to try an yeah. experiment like that because they have no other option. I like think- Timofey Mozgov, Luol Deng, like we can go on and name players like this. I mean, Jakeem Noah. I mean, we can go off and yeah. name players that in this market. Those guys haven't proved to be the distractions that these guys are, though. No, I, I agree like, with you. They're in the same category in terms of being yeah. paid for what they are. But like you don't. The worst thing that happens if you overpay Timothy Mozgov is he's on your payroll. Like with Derrick Rose, you're you're overpaying him, and you also have to deal with all of the baggage that comes with that. And I just I think you don't want to be the team. You know, I think the Knicks have been that team over and over with guys, the Kings, and like you know they're all kind of taking their turns now. Like maybe Derrick Rose goes to Sacramento, maybe he's their next option. But yeah, it's it's going to be weird. I don't know really what the trajectory is. I talked to Andre over the weekend about about Rondo and Cleveland. You know, the Cavs are. I think the right the word was you know monitoring the situation, <laughs> uh, and I think that's the type of place that he would have to go somewhere with a culture that it's him versus everyone else in terms of. All right, if you don't fit in, it's on you. You know, like we don't have anything to lose. You're the guy that has something to prove. Like. Rondo came into Sacramento with a bigger reputation than everybody on that team, you know, with the exception of Cousins. Rondo would go to Cleveland. Rondo would go to San Antonio, Golden State, a place like that. Like, it's him versus the established guard, you know. Like, Rondo couldn't – I don't think he could do anything to disrupt a locker room like that, and that's, I kind of think, maybe the spot for him where it's like you get in line or you're just out of here. And I I think, you know, a team like Chicago maybe gave him a little bit too much entitlement Based based on what this new version of Rondo we're seeing, this professional, as as a lot of beat writers have put it, this professional version of Rondo, I think that out of the two, out of Rose and Rondo, that he'd be the first to uh, eat a piece of humble pie and say, yes, I will come off the bench for 18 minutes a game and initiate your second team offense. Um, Somebody like Glenn Perkins was a guy who perennially started for the Thunder, right? And then once they moved ways, I think he was, I believe he was traded to the Jazz. And then ever since then, it was just kind of like, not even a rotational guy, but just kind of like guy at the end of the bench if we need you to basically choke a guy on his neck in the playoffs or an enforcer. I think Rondo is the most likely to say, hey, I will be your spot guy. And I'll be your spot guy at a you know veteran minimum or just above a veteran minimum for a Cleveland team just to go win a playoff. I think he could do that um, based on what we've seen. It'd be interesting. I I think they... You know, they prefer point guards who can shoot, so that's where it's a little bit of an iffy fit. But, like, you're probably not going to – like, as, as polarizing and as, like, as flat-out bad as Rondo's been for a lot of this year, like, I don't know that you're going to do a whole lot better. We know, you know, he's respected as a competitor. Like, he's a guy that I – don't, I don't know that he and LeBron have any sort of relationship, but I think LeBron at least respects him. You know, this is a guy that – he's been an all-star. They know each other through things like that. Um, like, if you're LeBron, I think – yeah, I think you'd rather have Rondo than some, you know, half D league guy who you're just kind of taking a chance on, like in terms of trust. Um, but at the same time, I also think the fact that Rondo's won a title, you know, kind of takes out that whole like, oh, maybe he's just gonna he'd be willing to sign on to grab a ring, you know, like he's got the ring. I don't know if that motivation is quite there. Um, so I mean, it's it's very very interesting to, to kind of project what the future is for both of these guys because it's been very much unpredictable to date. Cleveland attempts. Or makes and attempts, I believe. 
they they uh, they make and attempt the second most mm-hmm. three point shots in the league. You can't tell me that Rondo initiating the second team offense and basically doing what LeBron does to a minuscule degree of driving, kicking it out, um, creating some open shots for those guys wouldn't be great for this Cleveland team. It, it would fall in line with exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that would be awesome. But that's more pie in the sky. Um, I, I don't really want to get into it too much. I mean, we can see what happens. I, I think a team would take a flyer on Rondo outside of Cleveland. The one thing for me, though, let's let's go back to Rose real quickly before we talk about Atlanta because they're certainly an interesting team to talk about as well. Is we always talk about man, if this team had a six man off the bench that would could just score for them, that'd be great. Like. Over the course of the rest of his career, Derrick Rose could be a very good fit on a lot of teams moving forward if he accepted a role as scorer off the bench. He's exactly what lots of teams need if he could accept that type of role. It'd be low pressure. You know, like Eric Gordon has stepped into a role that I finally think he's able to fulfill in Houston. And I think Derrick Rose, for the rest of his career, is just a sixth guy off the bench who can give you a pop, a little momentum, um, but he's not your main go-to point guard. He's not your distributor. So... Um, I would love for those guys to maybe accept lesser roles and really excel on good teams. Will it happen? Tail of the tape would say no, right? <laughs> thing. Yeah, I mean, that, nobody's deba- – like, Rose can still be a good player. Like, he's, he's an average to slightly above average point guard. Yeah, he's just – you just gotta, you just gotta know your game, and like that's that's the thing that I, I don't think anyone's really been able to get through to him on. Um, if he does that, then sure, yeah, I, I think absolutely, you know, he could be a, a six man for a lot of teams, just about any team, really. It's just he just hasn't shown like the, the capability to to accept something like that. So uh, we'll see. Um, the Atlanta Hawks. A week ago, it was all right. Clock's ticking. You know, Corver's traded. It's going to be Millsap next, and then Cephalosha. Who knows who else could be traded? Dwight might be on the block. Now, all of a sudden, the Hawks are reversing course. They they come out publicly yesterday and say and say Paul Millsap is now off the trade block. That kind of goes against the Corver deal. Like, if all of a sudden you decided now that you want to win again, why did you trade Kyle Corver? He wasn't a huge salary cap burden. Um, he was a guy that was expiring, and you probably weren't going to bring back as a what thirty five, thirty six year old. Um, you know, you have DeAndre Bembry, you have Torian Prince, two two kind of two slash three. Um, you know, guys you have waiting in the wings that are maybe the future of that position. But neither of those guys are ready to really be, you know, twenty-five minutes a night type of guys. I mean, they both of them have been in the D League this season. Um, I it, it, the the Corver trade to me, I guess, just kind of contradicts what they decided with Millsap. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that. But if you look at the way Corver's minutes have been staggered right before he left, like he was a second team guy. And, you know, he was struggling to produce when he was in the starting lineup at at portions during the year. So I can see where Atlanta said, well, we're just going to get rid of this guy who's basically on the second team anyway. This team has a lot of value in him, so why wouldn't we trade him for a first-round pick and and, and Mike Dunleavy? Um, The other route is that he's been such a staple in what they've been doing. Um, over the last you know five seven years however many years you want to go back uh, so moving him really is the first uh, kind of marker that says we are we're turning over a new leaf and we're, we're trying something new because we've been really good for a long time but it just hasn't helped us get over the hump now 
I just, you got to get, you can't redo last year, right? And so when they traded Corver, everybody said, oh, wow, they learned from last year. They're at least going to try to get something, and they need to do that for Millsap. Millsap is going to decline his player option because it doesn't fit mar- his market value right now, and he's going to test the waters, and then there's a very, very good chance he's not going to come back to Atlanta. He's not going back. He's not coming back. So why not trade him, get something for him? And we're all like, yes, Atlanta, you learned from last year. Last year, they were too stiff on incoming trade offers. Uh, that's what everybody around the league said. And now it appears they've gone back to their old ways after just one trade. Like, just keep going. You have to rebuild. I understand the the thing that, you know what? It's an 82-game season, and this is an entertainment industry. We want to win championships, but we have to remember, we are trying to make money here and fill the seats for 41 games. Haven't done a good job of that so far, even when they have been good, but it is an entertainment industry, and I do understand the thought of, well, let's just put a good product on the floor, a good entertainment product out there. Um, But I think from an NBA perspective in terms of positioning yourself to win championships down the road, you got to get rid of Millsap. you got to get rid of... Uh, Tim Hardaway and you need to look and see if there's anything viable on the table for Dwight Howard rebuild through the draft see I thought it was really interesting um, late last week Kevin Arnovitz was was on with Zach Lowe and he was talking about you know he's he's a guy that that I think I believe lives he lives in Atlanta Atlanta at some point he he knows a lot about the organization Um, and I thought I thought it was really interesting that he noted that Atlanta is, is hesitant to build through the draft because like they have this this belief and this goal to be, you know, a team that's mentioned in, you know, the top tier of, you know, overall franchises in terms of like free agency destinations and just just premier franchises. And, and Spurs, Dallas, even Cleveland I think is there now, New York, Boston. And a large part of that argument is because Atlanta is awesome. It's one of the biggest cities in the U.S. There's a lot to love if you're a millionaire. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot to like about Atlanta, and it should be. It should be in that, like, second tier of of destinations. But for whatever reason, it hasn't been. So I I understand his argument in in saying that they should be. Well, I think they want to keep winning. I think this is like, all right, you know, eventually if we just – we keep putting together these playoff teams, like, you know, the league will take notice. This will be a spot people want to go to, like – the other thing is it might be a little late to tank. I think that might be what they realize, too, is like, all right, yeah, we can trade Millsap, we can trade Corver, we can trade Dabo. One, does that even make us that bad? Like, you still have Dwight, you still have Schroeder, you have some other young pieces. Like, this isn't, gonna, this isn't a team that's going to all of a sudden lose, like, 30 out of 40 games. You're 20 and 16, last I looked at. They've probably played once or twice since then. 21 and 16. 21 and 16. Fourth in the East. Right. I mean, yeah, the East is bunched up, but, like, how much do you plan on losing? You know, like, I, I think what they would do is trade Millsap. Maybe, maybe you, get, you get a decent piece back. Let's say you get another first-round pick. Toronto has two of those. Like, if, if that's a destination, whatever. You, you, you know, you maybe make your pick, which would be right now 22nd or something like that. Maybe you get it down to, like, 14th but like even then is that really worth it I think I think they maybe waited a little too long if that was going to be their course and now it's like well we might as well just ride this out but um you know the other thing that Arnovitz noted too is like there's this fear within the organization of losing Millsap for nothing just like they lost Horford for nothing and if they keep him that's what's going to happen so I don't really this that's kind of contradictory I guess if that is something that they really are fearing and did they lose to Mari Carroll for nothing as well yeah, I believe so, right? Yeah, I mean, so, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. They, I, they didn't, Arnovich didn't actually mention that, but they lost Carroll for nothing. They lost Horford for nothing. And they could lose Millsap for nothing as well. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And, I mean, 
Talk about a rock in a hard place here, right? Because they're fourth in the East right now. I mean, they're the fourth seed in one of the conferences and everybody thinks that they should tank. Like that really says a lot about what has come over the last four years. Uh, the fruits of their labor has basically resulted in nothing, getting shut out in the Eastern Conference Finals to Cleveland. And it's a shame. It, you know, if they had, if they filled out their arena more often, I don't think people would be talking about this. But because it just seems like they're in dire straits in more than one area, not just getting over the hump over the Cavaliers, but also from an entertainment perspective that everybody's just on board with them taking for some reason. Uh, um, but they need to learn from last year's mistakes. Right. Um, and so they have till the trade line, trade deadline to do that, basically. Yeah, I mean, well, look, I mean, we've seen, we've seen what this, you know, what the ceiling is, I think, for this team. And they've changed things up, obviously, since two years ago. But they were a 60-win team. They had four All-Stars. They were reeling off this huge winning streak. And then they got swept by a a shorthanded, non-Kyrie, non-Kevin Love Cleveland team. Um, actually, Kyrie might have played. I don't remember. But they didn't have Kevin Love. Um, it was it was the you know the bad version, of basically, of the Cavs two years ago in the playoffs. Kyrie hurt his uh, whatever it I was in the hurt. first game one of the finals that year. Okay. He had been banged up kind of before that. But, yeah, oh, yeah. He, he played through some sort of injury and broke his kneecap. Yeah, so either way, you had, a, you had no Kevin Love. You had a hampered Kyrie. You had LeBron. And you had what was the worst supporting cast. I mean, that was a team that, like, Sean Marion was playing a lot of minutes, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and that team couldn't hold a candle to Cleveland. It's like this is a worse version of that team. Cleveland's much better. Like I do applaud them, you know, for being a little realistic, or at least it seemed like that's what they were going to do three three days ago. Um, but now, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I I don't know what you do. You know, like like you said, they're the four best fourth best team in the East. So then, you know, if if the fourth best team in the East is considering this, like, what does that say about you know Charlotte, Indiana, Washington, Chicago, like? those teams are worse than Atlanta. Like, should they be trying to do this? Like, is everybody trying to just sell, sell, sell right now? And that's what makes it kind of hard to make a deal? No, it's it's, it's specifically this Atlanta team. It's the fact that they've been as good as they possibly could be, right? They reached the peak of their potential a couple years ago, right? And it didn't matter. And so it's funny that we can say, oh, there's still some hopes out there's still some hope out there for this Hornets team to play. If they play as good as they possibly could play, it's like we already know the answer to that question for the Hawks, and that's why people are so ready to turn on that specific team. But how funny it is that this Boston Celtics team has worked tirelessly over the last few years to get to where they are, and they're only two games better than this Hawks team that's ready to quit. Now that you know, like they're they're it's a race to the top of the mountain. The Hawks the Hawks were there and they're like, Ah, it's not that great. We're gonna fall back down the Celtics are like you know trying to get up to the top of the mountain to undoubtedly fall right away when they face the Cavaliers so it's 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 really interesting to view each team by team and a case-by-case basis when in reality the Celtics and Hawks are about the same team and we think one is ascending and one is descending but in reality they're about the you know they're on par with each other Celtics still have the assets that's the difference right the Hawks don't have a Brooklyn pick and they don't have this glut of young guards and Jalen Brown I get it's a tough spot that's the thing with the Hawks is like if they hit reset you know the the Celtics can't you know they can kind of jumble I guess their core by making a trade for a star like the Hawks don't really have that ability like if they choose to move on things are going to plummet for them and I think that's the fear is that they kind of return to irrelevancy and then you kind of restart this whole process of trying to become relevant, which they've, you know, I mean, for them, it's been a 10, 15 year ordeal of, you know, making the playoffs every year, 
you know, sw- you know, moving on fairly seamlessly from the Josh Smith slash Joe Johnson era into the Millsap Horford Corver Teague era, now into the Schroeder Millsap era. Like for the most part, the product has remained unchanged in terms of their floor and their ceiling. And I think there's probably a little bit of hesitancy in the organization to go back to where they were, you know, as a, a bottom feeder team, you know, going looking back all the way to like the Bogut draft when they chose second overall. Yeah. So I want to finish up talking about the Miami Heat, but I'll let you talk about draft first because the Heat have a lot of parallels here, right? And it seems like they're accidentally tanking. So I, I want to finish up on them, but I'll let you talk about our good friends at draft first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we already know you love fantasy. We know you'll love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long leagues on Draft. It's Draft Day every day. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last just one day and only take minutes to complete. On Draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can play for money. Get this, your chances of winning money on Draft are almost three times better than your chances of winning on FanDuel or DraftKings. If you're playing fantasy for money and not spending hours a day doing it, you absolutely should be playing on draft. You and I just did an eight-person draft before the show. I, of course, got Giannis with my first pick, even though he might not play tonight. I still had to go and do that. Uh, We'll be doing another one later today as well. So join me. Download the draft app now. Just search draft, D-R-A-F-T, in the app store and it'll come up right on top. Be sure to enter the promo code ROTOWIRE. That's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, no spaces. When you download, that'll get you 100% bonus up to $600 when you make your first deposit. Again, search Draft in the App Store, and be sure to enter that promo code ROTOWIRE. So this Miami Heat team, right, they've been talking about, or rather NBA media has been talking about, should they trade Goran Dragic? And I think... I think we've been on the same page and saying, yeah, maybe maybe trade him, rebuild through the draft. This is going to be an unbelievable draft class. Just do it. And what's funny is they've had so many injuries that they're tanking without getting rid of Goran. And so now, um, again, on that podcast with uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz, they were saying that Pat Riley might put everybody on the table, even somebody like Hassan Whiteside, and they could just be a free market down there in Miami. The funny thing is, they might have the luxury of tanking while still maintaining some pretty good talent moving forward in Drogic and Whiteside. So obviously I'm just going to leave this pretty open-ended to you um, because things have changed drastically since we've talked about this last. What should the Heat do in terms of personnel moving forward before the trade deadline? That's a good question. Um, like you said, they, they don't need to make any trades if they want to tank, and I believe they do want to tank. I think that's been the plan really from the outset. I think they knew that they weren't going to be that good. I think they signed Hassan Whiteside. You think that, that was the plan from the outset? Yeah, I think probably from the end of free agency, yeah. As soon as Durant went to the Warriors, I think that was for sure the plan. Okay. Um, you know, like Justice Winslow down for the year, like arguably their best young asset. So it's kind of a wash there. Like you don't have this motivation to like get him playoff experience or anything like that. Um, you know, I mean, this roster – I. They've, Spolster's done as good a job as you can, but like when you're depending on James Johnson and Rodney Magruder yep. for a big time minutes, yeah, I mean, Willie Reed, just, Willie Reed, yeah. I mean, it, it, the list really goes on. I mean, it's it's basically a, a D league roster for you know eighty percent of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're eleven and twenty eight right now. I mean, they they have they're tied in the loss column with the Nets for the most losses in the East. Um, they're they're going to be a bottom five team as is. I think. You know, Drogic, you can certainly get something for him. 
Uh, there's going to be teams, I'm sure, that'll call call on Dragic uh, around the deadline. He's been playing really well. You know, he hasn't he hasn't really been phased by the lack of talent around him necessarily, and you kind of wonder what his numbers would look like if he was playing with more competent talent. Whiteside, I'm sure, is available at the right price. I, I just don't know what the market is for him. I don't know what you'd want to get back. You know, I mean, somebody would overpay for him. I understand thinking that you know maybe he's maybe he's a little overvalued right now, but I think that there's a team out of thirty that would, well, would see, value is, him pretty high. There's only so many teams that could take on that salary outright. You mm-hmm. know, so it's like you'd have to give somebody else back. You know, on a on a relatively large deal, and it's like that guy's probably a veteran, and it's like we you know do the Heat want that guy? So I think the list of guys you could really conceivably deal for Whiteside is relatively small, um, and I, I just think the te- like the list of teams that really like place a ton of value on Hassan Whiteside right now is also probably pretty small. Uh, but Drogic to me is really interesting, mostly from his perspective. Like, I, I want to see him on a good team. Like I've told you a bunch of times, like the Spurs to me f- feels like such a good fit. Mm. That would probably have to be a three-team deal. I, I don't know what exactly San Antonio would send back to make the money work there. Um, but yeah, I, I think both of those guys are are up for grabs. I think the Heat are just about ready to hit the reset button. I think as like I said, as soon as Durant signed with the Warriors, and as soon as Dwayne Wade, especially, was gone. You know, they kind of knew they, they didn't. Ha- I think in some ways it was good for them. You know, they didn't have the the Kobe Bryant or the Derek Jeter obligation to like <laughs> keep a decent team around Dwayne Wade just because he. You know, Dirk. I think in Dallas has kind of ha- has handcuffed them in some ways, and you know, I, I don't think he's necessarily done that. I mean, he's, he's handled it about as you know dignitarily as you could, but there still is that obligation to you know send out an all time great you know on a team that's not going to win twelve games. So, yeah, I think they're firmly listening on everybody on that roster and i think they want to get as much young town as many picks as they can so let's, let's just dive into this just a little bit um in terms of where would hassan whiteside where would we like him to go where what team do we think uh he could go to and let me preface it by saying that i agree that the the amount of teams who would actually value hassan whiteside to his fullest potential are probably smaller than a lot of people want to believe however my good old team down there in Florida, the Orlando Magic, kind of just like broke stride and said, oh, it doesn't matter what you think we need or don't need. We're going to go ahead and stockpile our front court with a bunch of assets. So we can talk about how the, the pool of potential um, teams in line for Whiteside is pretty small. But then again, we have to remember that teams like the Orlando Magic loom out there and could break, break stride and just add, add more assets. So, you know, I mean, Portland Trailblazers is an interesting one. They've struggled to defend mightily. In fact, right? I mean, they seem like they have to a, do something. They seem like such a great pair with Nerlens. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's really interesting. And, and, Portland's one of those teams is they might just be one legitimate player away from vaulting up the standings immediately. We know, we know that Lillard has been hurt and whatnot, um, but they probably are just one solid player away from, you know, contending for six or seven seed in the West for the rest of the season. Obviously they faltered, but um, there's no reason why they can't make up ground. I mean, they're sitting in the eight seed right now. Um, we're kind of expecting them to win out over the Kings in the long haul, but there's no reason they can't jump up the standings if they added somebody like Whiteside and compete with the Grizzlies with the Jazz for that five six. That would be very interesting. I do you think they should break up Lillard McCollum? Yes, hundred percent. Yes, I I think I think they should too. But like I don't want them to. Like they're such a cool pair. I I don't know what like dude. Okay, it's not about coolness. Them, but it's, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's really fun to watch them just rain down threes. It just seems like 
to me, you're, you're setting, I think the big fear for Portland and Portland fans is like you part ways, it's McCollum is the guy you'd get rid of. And like he turns into like a hardened light for another franchise. Because like you make that guy your, your number one option. Like, I mean, he's probably averaging 25 to 27 points a game. Right. You know, I, I don't know how many wins that translates to. Can he be the best player on a really good, really, really, really good contending team? No, probably not. Uh, but when you have Damian Lillard, you know, I think it kind of – it's tough to get rid of a guy who's that productive. But uh, I read somewhere th- this past week kind of likening it to a – you know, when, when the Warriors dealt Monte Ellis for Bogut. And people, you know, non-diehard NBA fans were like, what? Like you're dealing this guy who's averaging 20 points per game for this center whose numbers look terrible. But – like, in a lot of ways, that's one of the better moves that Golden State's made. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, if I'm, I'm literally pulled up the trade machine now and tried to see if a white side for McCollum trade would work. Still messing around with it. I'll, I'll definitely waste the rest of my day trying to make it work. Um, but that's something where I feel like both teams could potentially benefit. Dude, the Heat would do that in a second, I think. Really? I think. Well, yeah, then right? then it should be done. Then they should totally do it. Because I think that, you know, having McCollum on the court and having Lillard on the court, they're actually stifling each other's potentials to a certain degree. Um, and, and I know you can you can argue that both ways, and you're going to say, well, two defensively of, is where it's really an issue, yeah. Yeah, defensively is the main issue, and, and I understand the argument on offense, for them being on offense, where you say, well, only so many teams have locked down defenders, guard defenders, and so maybe you lock down Lillard, but you're not going to lock down McCollum or vice versa, and you can move that around. Somebody like, you know, Houston, like they can stick Patrick Beverly on one of their guys, but, you know, then Harden's going to be on the other one. Then you're going to have a matchup to exploit. But on the defense, I think it's more of an issue. So um, I would, in a heartbeat, you know, get rid of McCollum and bring in a major piece like Whiteside, really shore things up. And I, I would, you know, I'd kind of say watch them shoot up the rankings, compete with the Jazz, compete with the thunder for a higher seed in the west yeah i think portland wants to win you know i don't think they're they don't and they should and yeah Yeah. like white side probably is a little ambitious but like they have all these big money deals you know like you you could do like crab a pick and someone you know well so i I just mccollum i just tried white side and Derek williams for evan turner and mccollum both (laughs) trailblazers and the heat end up being over the luxury tax when you do that so obviously there's some things to adjust if you throw in a third team somehow um i think something like that could work that i'm not going to waste my time and, and try to make it work exactly but um in theory, a trade like that is really enticing for me from the Heat's perspective or from the Trailblazers' perspective. And then if you're going to go ahead and chime in and say the Heat as well, that they do that in a heartbeat, then come on, guys. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I think we'll, things are going to heat up. You know, I, There's still that belief, I think, and this is kind of where the Hawks were sitting, that Cleveland and Golden State are so good that you, know, any, you really would need to make a crazy massive trade to, to get yourself up in, into that tier. And that might scare some people off, but you know, at the same time, there's always going to be those teams that'll convince themselves that they're a piece away, you know, from whether it's contending or just you know getting into the race. Uh, so we'll, we'll certainly see things happening tomorrow. We have been for, trying for a really long time to get this guest on, and we finally have him booked. Really excited to have Anthony Slater, um, Bay Area News Group, San Jose Mercury News writer. He covers the Golden State Warriors. He covered the Thunder for the Oklahoman for several years before that, so I think I speak for both of us in saying we're very, very excited to get the perspective of someone who's been really on both sides, the most exciting sides of you know the, the Durant saga. 
Yeah, I can't wait to have him on. We got a lot of great questions already lined up for him. I'm an Oklahoma boy. He's an Oklahoma boy. I mean, I'm going to try to limit my Oklahoma specific questions. He's not from Oklahoma. Just he went know. to school, yeah, go, he's, college. He's yeah. There. Hey, it's as good as I'm ever going to get. Right. No, for sure. I got. He went to Oklahoma State. I have some Justin Blackman questions lined up. <laughs> Very excited. Uh, it might just be. A, it might just be a podcast about like what's Justin Blackman up to. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to talking with Anthony. Again, we are now sponsored by Draft, the Snake Draft platform, where your chances of winning are three times better than they are on FanDuel or DraftKings. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.